Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Help For You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. But there always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here's your host, Candy Messer. Hello and welcome to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, Financial Pitfalls to Avoid for Entrepreneurs, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, links can be found on our YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as multiple favorite podcast platforms. And if you'd like to receive notifications on when our podcasts have been uploaded, please like and subscribe. If there are any questions you have or topics you'd like to talk about, email me at media at abandp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Jason Cutter, CEO of Cutter Consulting Group, is a mindset and scalability expert. Even though he didn't have a sales upbringing or background, his bachelor's degree is in marine biology. He knows what it takes to be successful in sales and build profitable teams. His books, podcasts, and work with clients are focused on helping close more deals, make more money, and produce scalable results. So Jason, welcome to the episode. Thanks for having me, Candy. Well, I know that a lot of listeners are going to be very interested in this topic. They're going to want to know how to go ahead and sell without feeling salesy. Um, but before I even get into the questions that I have for you, I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you even became an expert in this field. Uh, it was against my own free will and all plans that I thought I had in life. Um, just Obviously, uh, we have some level of free will, but, uh, you know, I was a uh, shy, awkward, bullied, late blooming, left out only child to two loving analytical parents that are still <laughs> married to this day. My mom was a banker before she retired. My dad was an engineer before he retired. And they moved up in their organizations and, and did lots of great things. Uh, but fundamentally, I was raised in a household by a banker mom who hated salespeople uh, mm. and everything sales related. Um, so many stories of so many battles with car dealerships and my mom uh, and just 
just just the gross attempts of what we don't like in sales and people don't like mm-hmm. but still tolerate uh such that i chose sharks i literally chose tagging sharks as a safer and better career path than dealing with humans <laughs> like that was my mindset going into that mm-hmm. then i found out i was pretty good with people um and then i found out like i was really good at helping people got my first sales job at 27 in the mortgage business, which was mm. the height of the real estate boom in the 2000s. And so I wasn't selling, it was order taking. It was people mm-hmm. wanted to buy a house. You just, you know, got them qualified for a loan. And I learned nothing about sales until I started dealing with people who were in financial distress uh, mm-hmm. and then leading teams, helping people with debt and really learned what sales was. But I literally had to teach it to myself. I've never worked for a company where Somebody sat me down and gave me a script and gave me training and told me human behavior and dealing with objections. I learned it all, but I learned it all as the lens of somebody who grew up hating sales. So Mm. I, to this day, don't even, I I struggle with saying sales because in my mind still sales is a dirty word done by people who are manipulating for their own benefits. And I'm like, well, I'm just helping people. Oh, I guess that is sales, but it's sales as service. Right. It's so true. And I think a lot of people whether they're in a corporate position or they're an entrepreneur really have had no teaching on this topic and the right way to maybe make a sale, you know, instead of coming across as that pushy salesperson. So I think this is an important topic to even discuss. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? Is, 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 it, what happens, and this is why in, in the book that I wrote, the subtitle is transformed from order taker to quota breaker is because in my opinion, kind of like myself is there's one end, which is the pushy salesperson that's manipulating. And, and, you know, the person we can think about the wolf of wall street in the boiler room. And mm-hmm. most people in their mind say, I don't want to do that, but they don't mm-hmm. know another way. So they go all relationship, all order taker mode. And instead what the world needs and how to be successful in sales is in the middle as a sales professional. Right. So what would you tell someone who feels, you know, well, I am in a sales position, I, you know, whether it's again, my own company or I'm working with another company. Um, but I don't really feel that I'm born to be in this position. I don't think I have the skills, you know, coming from you, what you said, you know, from where you came from before, what would you tell them? <laughs> uh, well, I would say that I'm a perfect example of that. And uh, I wrote a chapter in the book and uh, uh, selling with authentic persuasion about making yourself into a salesperson. I firmly actually believe there's no such thing as a natural born salesperson. I mm-hmm. think it's a bunch of traits that people have that lend themselves. In fact, I think the people who seem like they're natural born salespeople, they over, uh, um, they over rely on the charisma, the storytelling, the persuasion, like all of those things that some people might not actually like, right? It might work, but they don't really like it. They think that's sales, but instead, I think that somebody who's been in sales for a long time, they've done it since they were a kid and it's become natural because they've been working on it. Mm -hmm. I was not that way and I turned it on later in life. But there's, for me, there's five traits. If you wanna be successful in sales, you wanna lean on your strengths, but five traits that I always help people identify and then lean on, Um, being, you know, the first two are openness and curiosity. A lot of people Mm. think in sales, you have to be persistent. You have to be this, you have to no, like openness and curious, especially about your customer and everything about them and your product and how you can help them. When you even just use those two attributes and focus on developing that, uh, you can, you will be successful in sales. And what I will say is for me growing up, 
I was curious about dinosaurs and then sharks and then all kinds of science things. I was not curious about people. I didn't like people, people, mm. you know, we, we didn't vibe very well. And then I realized, wait, I, I do care about people. Let me be curious about people. And I shifted it and made myself into that person that has those traits towards helping people. Mm -hmm. That's true. Well, a lot of people just fear a sales position, you know, they're going to go into some other, you know, industry or whatever it might be, you know, like I said, maybe they become a banker because they don't think that they have to sell something, you know, or maybe they're going to work, you know, in a position that's behind the scenes because they're afraid of sales, you know? So what would you tell someone about the opportunities maybe that exist and why they don't need to be afraid? Well, and, and so there's two parts to that. The first part is if we really fundamentally look at it, um, everything in life is sales and, mm -hmm. and obviously removing the dirty connotation from sales. But if we look at sales as persuasion, as influence, as, you know, either getting something you want or helping somebody get what they want, everything in life is sales. If you're a banker and you work in the finance department, you're persuading your boss, you're persuading your team, you're persuading clients. It's mm -hmm. all literally sales. If you have kids, it's sales all day long. Um, and so part of that is something people need to just identify and understand. The other part is, is realizing that sales is service when mm -hmm. done right. In my opinion is sales is something you're doing for somebody and right. with somebody instead of to them. And when mm -hmm. you take that approach, which is you have this challenge, this goal, this problem, you, you, you're here, you could be here. I want to help you get there. And I want to leave you better than I found you. And as a result, I will get paid for that, but you'll win and I'll win. When right. somebody makes that mindset and shift, then they realize, wait, sales is not boiler room, Wolf of Wall Street. It's something right. completely different. Well, you're educating them on like the benefits of what you have and how it can fit their needs, right? Like you said, being open and curious, you're going to be asking them questions and finding out like, why are they even reaching out to you for your product and service? And then figuring out if it's a match, right? You know, that's ideally when you're talking about sales as service is making sure that the need that they have is going to be met by what you're offering. Yeah. And the biggest thing that a lot of people do not realize about sales, even people who are in sales roles, especially if they're struggling, what they don't realize is that potential customer, that prospect, that lead, whatever you want to call them, they are seeking your help. Mm -hmm. They are afraid. And we can go into the details or not about what they're afraid of, because they're all afraid of the same thing fundamentally they want and need help. And the reason I mm -hmm. can say that is true because if they didn't, they would have already bought it. They would have called you to order it or they would have ordered it online and they would have just bought it. The fact that right. they're willing to risk everything and talk to somebody who might talk them into something, right? <laughs> Sell them something means they want help so bad. They're willing to risk the dangers of a salesperson in their mind mm -hmm. to try to get help. Mm -hmm. So if someone is starting, so now there's hearing, okay, I want to be open and curious and, you know, help the customer, you know, what would you say about how to avoid being that order taker that you talked about and actually really effectively being in that sales position? So there's two big things. One is the mindset, which a lot of stuff we've covered. Uh, in shifting your mindset of seeing sales as, as service, right? So that's, mm -hmm. that's a huge part. Before you can do anything externally, you, you have to work it out internally and, and make that shift. 
once you do the second part, that's so valuable, so important. And a lot of people in sales resist is having a process, having a structure, having mm. things like scripts in place, pure salespeople hate the thought of scripts because they just have gotten through life by just saying whatever it takes to get things done. Right. Uh, analytical people on the other end love scripts because then it tells them what to say and they don't have to worry about doing it wrong, but scripts are so valuable and not word for word scripts, the whole conversation, certain things as transitions to go through a process and you have to have a process. And when you have this, and I developed a, a, a model for this and a program called the authentic persuasion pathway, which basically is moving someone forward in that sales process no matter whether it's that or anything else, you have to have a process and then you have to be the one leading it going from, mm -hmm. I'm going from here. We're going to here. We're going to here. We're going to do this. Um, and you're taking them on the journey as their guide, instead of just hoping that they're going to ask you to buy. Right. So let's assume, you know, entrepreneurs listening and saying, great, like I am not comfortable really with this process, but you know, I have to sell my product to be successful. And I'm hearing what you're saying. Like, I need to have a script. I need to have a process, but they don't even know where to begin exactly. Like, can you give them a couple steps of, you know, what that process might look like or what they should be putting down in a script to help them know like what to say next? You know, if someone says maybe there's an objection, what do they say next to help overcome that objection or, you know, any of the, that information? Yeah. And to the initial part of your, your question there for anybody who's selling something of their own business, right? Uh, where it's your company, your product, your service, and you're going out and selling it. It's always the hardest thing to do. It's always <laughs> hardest to sell yourself, right? right. Like, um, because it's you and it's vulnerable. And if they reject it, they're rejecting you. And that's where our brain goes, right? It's always <laughs> easier to sell somebody else's stuff, right? Um, so just keeping that in mind, it's an extra challenge, just fundamentally. Uh, to answer your question, the best thing to do is outline your process. So I'll give you an example. And for people watching or listening is the stages like I have in my authentic per, uh, persuasion pathway. The first three are rapport, empathy, and trust out of the five. And so empathy is the discovery question asking, but you're doing it because you care and you're actually listening. That's why it's mm -hmm. called empathy versus discovery probing what you know sales people want to train on. What you want to do at a minimum to help you in the quickest way possible to get out of order taker mode and move more conversations forward is script the transitions in between each segment of your conversation. So for example, you're building rapport, you're chatting with somebody, you're doing that in, in the proper way. And there's, there's ways to do that wrong, by the way, which I wrote mm -hmm. in my book, uh, and there's ways to do it right. But you're going from rapport to empathy, which is asking questions, is transition, writing that transition, scripting it out, memorizing it, reading it, whatever you've got to do, which is, hey, all right. So the next part is I want to ask you some questions. I want to understand your business. I want to get to know more about you, what you're looking for. And I want to see if it's something I can even help you with. And if not, I'll let you know. If it is, then I'll tell you what we can offer. Does that sound fair? Right. They agree and they move forward. Now you've set the expectation. Then when you're done with your asking of questions, then you go, okay, based on what you said, it sounds like uh, I might be able to help you with what we offer. Let me tell you more about us. And then you go into your, tr your trust. I see a lot of people who default into order taker mode because they don't have a plan and a strategy. They're hoping the other person is going to be the leader. 
they don't realize they're the leader. And when you have those transitions scripted, now it's easy. Now you're moving from segment to segment. You can keep mm-hmm. the train moving forward. Um, and that every single person needs to have that scripted and memorized and then know how to move from one part to the next. So you're always moving forward. Right. Yeah, because I had a conversation actually maybe a couple months ago with somebody on a similar topic, but it was just on like influence and things. And he actually said the customer is not always right because they might come to you in their mind of what they think they need. But when you're having a conversation with them, you'll find out they actually need something different, you know, or maybe, you know, a a higher level of something, you know, so how would you coach someone who's listening, who is thinking, you know, well, maybe the customer's always right. And I just have to find out what they think they need and, you know, match up my service to them versus truly finding out they may not really understand all the benefits of what you have and why something else may be better. You know, I think it's summed up easily in, I think it's a Henry Ford quote that I'm going to butcher because I'm not always the greatest at quotes, is that if I asked the people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse, Mm -hmm. right? People don't necessarily know what's possible. If they knew what was possible, if they knew what they needed, they would already do it, right? right? They would have called you up and they would have said, you offer this, I need this, I have my credit card ready, let me know. Uh, when you're ready for the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And what I will say, people laugh and go, no, wait, like we've all been that customer where you're going to buy something and literally you just need someone to process the paperwork because you literally know what you want. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I walk into Best Buy, I know exactly what I want. I want that TV, shut up, put it in a box. Like, I don't care, let's go. Other yeah. times I need some adult supervision because I don't know what right. I need uh, or what's even possible out there in the world. Keep in mind that every single person who's not yet a customer of your company is stuck in their comfort zone. And the one thing I alluded to it earlier, but I'll say it now, the one thing everyone fears is change because mm-hmm. change is dangerous to a primal part of our brain. Change is dangerous. Change leads to death not too long ago while we were nomads. And so it's afraid of change and it doesn't know. It knows that change is scary. And so you have to figure it out at the deepest level possible with questions, with understanding and figure out what, not just what it is that they want because they don't know what they want, but the, here's the question that I coach everyone to be able to answer. And if you can't answer this question, you're an order taker, which is why do they want or need what you're offering? Mm. Not what right? The what is just a tool, right? The, the, that's a tool in the toolbox, but why do they want or need what you're offering? Because once mm-hmm. you know that, now you can solve it with this or send them on their way, but that's what you've got to figure out. And if you skip the discovery empathy, question, em, empathy part of the conversation and you just do your surface level stuff and you don't figure that out, if you don't know why they want it, I promise they don't know. And if they don't know, now you're just hoping and you're an order taker. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that's one of the biggest keys for being able to do that and move people forward with what will actually help them, not what they think will help them. Mm-hmm. So for someone who's still a little bit nervous thinking like, well, I don't want to come across as like pushy or, you know, trying to sell my product if they don't really want it. (laughs) What would you tell them from the consumer's perspective of what they want from that salesperson? Well, the biggest thing to remember, and we're all human, right? And we're all consumers. So when you step back and you think of yourself as a consumer, 
you got to be careful not to sell to just yourself, but mm -hmm. to think of it as uh, from your side. And as a human, we all only care about them ourselves. Fundamentally, people at the basic level only care mm -hmm. about themselves. We think the world sees the same thing we do when we're out and about. We're frustrated when people don't do or think or see or understand what we think and see and do and understand, right? I, right. I, as, as, as much as I know this, I'm still frustrated every single day when I get on the road, on the freeway and people are in the left lane and they're in my way and they don't understand what that lane is for and what we're all <laughs> supposed to be doing in that lane, right? It still drives me crazy, even though I know it shouldn't. But that's just a small example, right? We just assume when we, and, and we all think we're the hero of the story. When we go to the grocery store, we think everything is about us and the world revolves around us because it's our life. It's our perspective. We're human. It's the human condition. Mm -hmm. So the challenge is, is that your customer, your non-customer, your potential customer also thinks that when they interact with a salesperson, most salespeople, most companies, they're taught or they think they have to be the hero of the story. But the problem is now you have two heroes butting heads. And if we look at any hero's journey type movie, let's say Star Wars, for example, there's the person in the movie who's the hero, right? And that's Luke Skywalker, right? In the original Star Wars. Then there's a guy who thinks he's a hero. And most people say Han Solo, and that's the, he becomes the sidekick. Then there's the other guy who thinks he's a hero, who thinks he's right, and who thinks his way is the only way to go, and that's Darth Vader. So in the mind of your customers, if you're not careful and you go into hero mode where you have the solutions and everyone should be begging you for this and, and, and you're, you're the best of the best, the problem is they're going to either make you a sidekick or the villain, and then mm. you've got a much harder sales mode. Where you want to go is you want to separate and stop the cycle that sales companies and individuals do of trying to be the hero with the branding, the marketing, the website, the conversations. If, if you find yourself in the middle, in the beginning of a conversation with somebody, instantly going into your monologue about how great you are and your logos and your brands and your testimonials, you're trying to be the hero. Mm. They don't care. They don't mm -hmm. want a hero. They want a guide. They want Yoda. They want Obi-Wan. They want somebody who says, I know where you want to go. I've been there. I've helped others follow me to safety. I will get you where you want to go. Oh, and mm -hmm. by the way, it's all about you and it's not about me, right? right? I'm not the hero. You're the hero. When you do that, totally different game. It's exactly what they're looking for. They're not looking for an order taker or a friend or a sidekick. They're looking right. for a guide. Mm -hmm. So for anyone that has employees now too, whether again, it's you know, this, we're talking to people who are, you know, just in corporate working for a bigger company, you know, but ideally most of the people who are listening to us are actually the entrepreneurs, but they have staff too. And now they have other people in this position. Like, how would you coach them to mentor those who are in their company to even understand how to do this properly? Cause it's one thing to have to learn it for yourself, but also teaching mm -hmm. someone else. Well, and, and I deal with that a lot. A lot of companies hire me to help build that out and, and figure that out for them um, because it is a big challenge. Mm -hmm. While I said um, a few minutes ago how difficult it is to be a entrepreneur founder selling yourself, your business, your services, your product, it's actually uh, on one side, it's difficult because it's dangerous and scary in our head and to our ego. On the other side, it's actually easier because it's your baby, right? Mm -hmm. Like you love it. You're passionate about it. It's easy for you to talk to people about it. You know it so well. You know who it's a good fit for. There's excitement and enthusiasm and passion and it makes it just easier to sell. Now, all of a sudden you bring in other people, you have anybody, one person, you have 10 people on a sales team, 
it's not their baby. They don't care. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they, they, they don't have the passion. They don't have the title. They don't have the years invested, the blood, sweat and tears. And so it's tough. Best thing you can do is build out that process. Don't mm -hmm. try to just say, I'm going to hire a bunch of people who are good at sales. I'm going to let them do what they do best. And they should be able to sell for me and sell my product. No, give them the scripts, give them the transition, give them a process, give mm -hmm. them the tools to do it like you would do it even though they don't have your ta your title, your passion, your enthusiasm, but give them the process that sets them up for success. Do not make the mistake of thinking you can just hire people and let them loose and abdicate sales to them. Right. And I mean, I would think that like doing some role-playing, you know, giving them the opportunity to work through a potential call with a prospect, you know, would be a good idea. So, you know, what other kind of things or how often should that be done? Should someone even go over this with their staff who's been doing it for a while too? You know, maybe someone's been in that position for a year. Should they go back again and review? Like what are the things for their team they should be doing to make sure that their team is being successful? Yeah. It's one of the toughest challenges with sales teams uh, and there's still no perfect answer, no matter how long I've been doing this, no matter how many clients I've worked with. Cause mm -hmm. one of the things is if you want to be good at something, you want to become great at something, it takes effort and time. It takes practice, mm -hmm. right? If we look at a sports team, you would say football, what you see on the field each week, you know, once a week for three hours is 5% of their week right? The rest of it is in training. It's in reviewing game footage. It's strategizing. It's planning. It's all, it's, it's strength conditioning. It's all kinds of things. Unfortunately in sales time is money, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't make phone calls three hours a week and then practice 37 hours a week, right? Like that would be crazy to do that. But if you want to be amazing, you got to do that. Cause otherwise what happens is your team, your salespeople are practicing in the game, right? Mm -hmm. It's the super bowl, every single phone call, make it or break it. And they're figuring it out. And so mm -hmm. there's always a tough balance. So how often, how much should you do? I think it's important, you know, depending on the, 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 um, the maturity of your team, like from a, a sales skill standpoint, how long they've been with you. I mean, you want to do role-playing, you want to do coaching. The nice thing is, is there's a lot of technology that I'm helping companies uh, implement that will take a lot of that burden off that will actually mm -hmm. listen to phone calls, give feedback, like, and, and highlight where people could do better. And then as a manager, you're just coming in as that coach, instead of having to listen to hours and hours of phone calls. So that's, that's important, especially if you do phone or video, there's some really great technology out there uh, that's available. Um, I think it's always good to be doing that stuff. I mean, I have companies that bring me in, they've been running for years and they just want to keep getting better, right? Teams mm -hmm. that want to win will always want to keep improving. That's why people right. who are doing well and want to grow, they will read, they will listen to podcasts. They don't stop. They actually want more. Um, and so you want to build that culture within your team. Also, one of the things that happens is slumps. And so when slumps happen with anybody and everybody, so you've got to be able to identify it and then know how to correct it um, because that will help out your company. Um, but yeah, training, role plays, different scenarios. There's different ways to implement like quick role play, uh, longer sessions, you know, offsite, having people <laughs> sit in on meetings or phone calls and just listen to it, uh, coaching, you know, uh, it, side jacking as it's called, you know, where you're listening in and you're just kind of whispering in their ear. Uh, there's lots okay. of different strategies depending on, you know, where they need the help. Right. And so one other question that I was just thinking of as you were speaking to was when you mentioned kind of some of the skills too. And I know in the intro and 
you know, when you were talking about yourself and you're like, I had like nothing that you know you would think would be in this, you know, in this field. But if someone is looking to hire someone into this position, you know, what type of things should they be looking for? You know, maybe they don't have to have had sales in the past, but what are some of the things that maybe would stand out on a resume that would be like, this could make a great person in this area? So before going into that, because that's a fantastic question. I always love that one. Um, the, before that stage for anybody, especially if you're an entrepreneur founder, you're growing, you're, you're hiring your first team, you're hiring people. Maybe you hired salespeople and it didn't work out and you're back to zero and you're growing again. Here's the biggest thing is there are three types of people you can hire into your sales team. I call them the veteran, the, the newbie, and then the entrepreneur salesperson. And anybody who wants more details, reach out to me. I can, I can give you more info on that. Each one takes different level of resources and commitment and comes mm -hmm. with its positives and negatives, especially cost, uh, egos, drama, nurturing. There's all, all kinds of things. Those are the, the highlights. The first part is you got to understand who you're looking for, what you're willing to invest time and money wise, and then go down that path. Again, do you want the person who has tons of experience, but you know, literally you won't be able to control them? Or do mm -hmm. you want someone who's new, but it's going to take them six months to, to figure it out? You've got to know that. So that goes into what your question is, which is I look at this resume, they don't have sales experience. You've got to know that you're okay with that and you're going to parent them responsibly, right? Mm -hmm. You can't just bring someone with no experience and be overwhelmed putting out fires all day and then let them flounder and mm -hmm. die off, right? That's not fair to them. But that being said, and, and again, you know, at the end, we'll, we'll talk about how people can get a hold of me. Then it really goes back to those sales success traits I was talking about that I wrote in my book. Uh, openness, curiosity, creativity, persistence, and authenticity. I help a lot of companies, and I've done this for years, even before consulting, build recruiting interview processes that mm -hmm. look for and identify those things. I don't care about the experience so much. I want to know, are you open? Are you curious? Are you creative? And I'm going to put you through hoops in those ways to find out real world. Do you have those attributes? Are you going to mm -hmm. be a cultural fit for my company? And are you going to have the things that I need? Because if you're open and curious, it means you're going to learn everything and you're going to be curious about it. And you're going to use whatever I tell you. Fantastic. If you're right. just persistent and you're not open, like you nag me, but you're not open and you don't come with questions, then that's what you're going to do to my customers as well. Mm -hmm. and it's not going to work. And so that's what I actually look for beyond anything else. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, I know we're going to be running short on time and I want to make sure that I have the opportunity to have you share what you might want to offer to our audience. Well, I, the thing I love sharing the most, especially when I come on shows like this, is I have a series of ebooks. So I have three ebooks that I've published. They're available on Amazon, but anyone who reaches out to me, I'll send you the bundle of them. So it's a, a sales consultant's guide to is the series. And then I have motivating your team. I have overcoming objections and for one for new team leads. And so hmm. lots of different things in there to help overcoming objections. Or if you're leading a team, you want to motivate them. Um, just what I've learned and what I help clients with that could help, especially if you're starting out your sales team, you're struggling with getting results that covers a lot of the basics. Um, and people can email me Jason at cutter consulting group.com and just mention the podcast and I'll, I'll send you a link for the, the bundle of emails. Um, okay, perfect. That sounds like out. great resources. Yeah. 
So uh, if they want to connect with you and find you other places besides the email, are you on like social media? Do you have a website? How can they find you? I do a lot of posting on LinkedIn. That's the main one also on Facebook and Instagram, but LinkedIn is the main one. Also have a YouTube channel where I'm posting videos almost every day uh, from lots of different sources. You could, if anyone just searches Jason Cutter in there and finds the channel on YouTube. Uh, and when in doubt, jasoncutter.com is my main hub that will take you anywhere with content, with books, with podcasts and resources. So jasoncutter.com is always a good place to start. Perfect. Well, thank you, Jason, for being a guest on my show. I appreciate your sharing with us today, your expertise. Thanks for having me, Candy. Hopefully this helps uh, the people out there in shifting and realizing sales doesn't have to be gross and it's valuable <laughs> service and help everyone close more deals and make more money. Definitely think what you shared was helpful. I you know, feel that they will you know, breathe a sigh of relief thinking I don't have to be that salesperson that I don't like you know, that I've experienced before. So exactly. thank you so much. And then for you, the listener, I also want to thank you for tuning in. I hope you found this topic interesting and answered some of your questions about selling with authentic persuasion. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Jason at the links that he shared or send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd greatly appreciate your support. I hope you can join us for next week's topic count onable accountability that works. And please remember you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. Remember, you can also find the podcast posted on multiple favorite podcast platforms, including Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Biz Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday. Have a terrific week.